time when things are shifting. We're going to be, be a new world order. We've got to lead it. The following program is brought to you by friends and partners of End Time Headlines. All right, what's up, everybody? It is Friday, February 17th, and we welcome you to tonight's broadcast. And tonight, I want to give you an update on the ongoing Asbury revival. Uh, and we're going to go, we're going to get straight into it. Before we do that, we want to welcome everybody to the broadcast. Again, if you're new, if this is your first time joining us, let us know in the comment section below where you guys are joining us from and that you are new. We always want to acknowledge you, uh, in the comment section. So as you know, um, this, what they're calling now a revival that is, that is expanding and it's going on. And uh, I want to give you this article. This is from CBN News. It says, quote, line stretches half a mile as the fruit of revival is on display at Asbury. Uh, They're calling it a, quote, very, very healing experience. I want to read a little bit of this article. Then I'm going to cover some controversial topics discussions, questions, remarks. We're going to cover all that tonight's broadcast. And then on the second half of this broadcast, I want to show you some prophetic implications of this and what it could even be on a greater level and a greater scale. So let me get back to this article. Quote, this again, this is from CBNnews.com. The revival at Asbury University is now in its 10th day. Now, if you know anything about history, uh, when this broke out in 1970, it went 10 days and it ended on the 10th day. So now we're in it. We're on the 10th day of this thing, and it doesn't look like it is going to stop anytime soon. It looks like, in fact, it probably is going to intensify and grow and spread even farther. <clears throat> Thousands of people are now continuing to make their spiritual pilgrimage to this town in hopes of encountering more of God. The revival is now officially in overflow mode with lines of people to get inside stretching nearly a half a mile long. This has got the resemblance of uh, like the Brownsville revival in 1995, all the way up to about 2001. If you remember, if you saw the, uh, reports on that. If you saw the videos of that, or if you were there, there was lines to get into the building that stretched a, a mile long. Some of these people were out there and they camped out outside, uh, and it went on for days, uh, even before they even got into the building. So this is kind of what we're seeing, the, the earmarks of this. Um, uh, one individual of Lex, Kentucky said, quote, God is here. God is here and he's working right now. Come and get you some. You hear me? Another, um, another individual, 29 of years, 29 years of age, drove all the way from Florida asked to ask God a simple question. Lord, if you want me to go back to preaching, if you want me to plant this church that I've had in my heart for years to plant, I need someone to prophesy over me the right now. He explained. His prayer was answered when he ran into a well-known local preacher who said things that only God knew about him. So in other words, his testimony was he kept this to himself between him and God. He ran into an individual and, quote, he prays over me and he literally just declares what I've been praying over my entire life. And I thought it was insane. Again, this happened um, there at the uh, at the revival. Uh, Dr. Jeff Gosman, uh, he's a. Regent University Director of Campus Ministries drove 10 hours from Virginia Beach after hearing about what God was doing. So we're getting these stories where people are driving hours and hours upon end um, to get to this move of God, this awakening, this encounter, this outpouring. Some are they're calling it revival. What do you I mean, there's different terminologies you can give this. So. I want to, so this is an amazing thing. This is happening and it doesn't seem like it's letting up and it's intensification, but I want to cover 
And we'll cover more on that in the latter part of this podcast. So before we get there, I want to address some of the, over the last week, I have seen what I call these common um, oppositions to this. Uh, not every one of them is ill intent. Some just have general questions. Others have malicious intent. They don't want any a part of it there. Uh, and we'll get more into that when we get further into this. So let me cover some of these ready. Here we go. And maybe you're watching this and this is maybe a question that you've proposed or you've seen somebody in the comment sections of Facebook live or on Instagram or on TikTok or on Twitter. And maybe you'll hear this podcast and you uh, can, this might help you to answer some of those questions. Ready? Here we go. Here's one quote. Well, I have my doubts about this move because the wolves are showing up. So it's not a legit move of God. This is one I see all the time. Well, and one of those individuals is Todd Bentley. They're ever, well, Todd Bentley's on his way to Asbury college. So this is, this can't be a move of God. Well, uh, listen, Todd Bentley or any other personality doesn't get to dictate whether this or isn't a move of God just because they are showing up or just because they choose to go there does not mean this is not a legitimate move of God. In fact, the, do you know that the brighter the light is the more bugs that show up? Think about that. You go out and you turn a light out on your porch in the, in the middle of the night when it's the darkest, and that's when all the bugs show up. So listen, it's not surprising to me that there is all these ill intent individuals coming. It's attracting everybody. Listen, I want to make a statement that's going to make some of you upset. When a true revival takes place, it brings the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because it's like <clears throat> it it's like taking um something that's been stagnant for a long time and someone dropping a giant spoon in it and you stir it up. And when you stir it up, all the sediment at the bottom begins to surface to the top and then you skim off the top. So this is what's happening. I'm not surprised at this. In fact, during this, there's already been reports that demons are even manifesting in the services. This and again, why are you surprised by this? Because where, listen, Jesus said that if the finger of God is among you, then demons will manifest. It's all, even in the Bible where Jesus and his presence went, demons manifested. They either try to hinder the move of God, stop the move of God, disrupt the move of God. Are you listening to me? It's in the gospels. It's in the book of Acts. It's all there. So this is where the, so this is going to happen, but watch this, the leaders and those facilitating this outpouring need to be vigilant to guard the flock and remove disruptors, wolves, and false apostles and prophets that are trying to infiltrate into this, into these, uh, uh, meetings to try to make a name for themselves. And from what I'm hearing from people that are down there, that are right there, they are doing a great job of doing this. They're not allowing, they are guarding the pulpit. They are guarding the platforms. They're even turning away mainstream media outlets from coming in. Why? I don't blame them. Because the mainstream media has a history of coming in and 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 completely contorting something and turning something that is a good thing and twisting it and manipulating it and making it sound like a bad thing they'll use terms like right wing extremists and all this so i don't blame them i wouldn't want the media to show up either so I hope that helps you out on that. So if people coming in that has ill intent or they have a history of being a wolf or a false prophet or a false apostle, look, let them come in and pray that they get wrecked in the Holy Spirit. They repent and they change their life. 
But these guys are doing a great job of guarding the pulpit. They're not going to allow these wolves to come in and just and destroy the flock. Uh, so far, I've seen they're doing a great job on it. All right, let's move on. Number two, here's one. It's not a real move of God because the gospel is not being preached, and it's just praise, worship, and prayer. Hmm. Okay. First of all, for those that are actually attending the service regularly, there is multiple testimonies of times when an individual or individuals will get up and they will give an exhortation and even altar calls where people are coming and repenting and receiving Christ. So all these comments are coming from armchair spectators. Secondly, I have a legitimate question for all the armchair spectators that are not there. They're just watching online, seeing pictures, and they're making these comments. I, I, I want to ask a legitimate question. Do you, do you possess a tracking device? Uh, or do you have tracking devices on every single individual that is there that you know that are witnessing Christ to those in their communities, families, and et cetera. Because you've made this assertion that these people are not preaching the gospel. So you obviously can make that bold statement to, to say that you know for a fact that they're not leaving the meetings and they're not witnessing the gospel in their communities, their families, and et cetera. Do you know, do you know for a fact that they're not inviting people to the meetings? And those people that are coming are their family, their co-workers, their friends, their neighbors, and they're not getting wrecked in the Holy Ghost, and they're not getting saved. Secondly, here's another thing that I keep, that people are overlooking. The majority of these students there are already saved. Therefore, this is likely the characteristics of the first great awakening. Well, I don't find the word great awakening anywhere in the Bible. Oh, give me a break. It's a term. Are we, are we going to get hung up on semantics of words? Let me give a little bit of a history lesson here. According to Wikipedia, in fact, let me just, I'll just pull it up here so you can see for yourself what I'm looking at. So I thought I would give you the best general term here uh, to go right into this. So here we go. Great Awakening. Great Awakening refers to a number of periods of religious revival in American Christian history. Historians and theologians identify three or sometimes four ways of increased religious enthusiasm between the early 18th century and the late 20th century. Now, most theologians I know refer to the first and second. They don't go any further than that. Now, there's been outpourings, revivals, and moves of God, but as far as awakenings, there's been first and second great awakenings. But anyway, let me read on. Each of these great awakenings was characterized by widespread revivals led by evangelical Protestant ministers, a sharp increase of interest in religion, a profound sense of conviction and redemption on a part of those affected, an increase in evangelical church membership and the formation of new religious movements and denominations. Reading on, some of the influential people during the Great Awakening were George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, and Gilbert Tennant. And some of the influential groups during the Great Awakening were the New Lights and the Old Lights. Pulling away from ritual and ceremony, the Great Awakening made religion intensely personal, I love this, to the average person by fostering a deep sense of spiritual conviction of personal sin and need for redemption. So, well, I don't see that happening. Well, give it some time. Why don't you wait and see what fruit comes out of it? You're so quick to dismiss it, not of God. It can't be of God. And we'll, we'll explain why that is more here in a minute. All right. Let me read on by encouraging introspection and a commitment to a new standard of personal morality. It incited rancor and division between old traditionalists who insisted on the continuing importance of ritual and doctrine. Hello. That would be your religious folks. And we're going, we're going to cover those in just a minute. And the new revivalist who encouraged emotional involvement. God forbid there would be any emotional involvement. I'm going to talk about that as well. Oh, honey, we're going to cover all the bases. You won't get left out today. We're not going to leave no stone uncovered. All right. 
Um, it had a major impact in reshaping the Congregational Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Dutch Reformed Church, and the German Reformed denomination, and strengthened the small Baptist and Methodist denominations. It had little impact on the Anglicans and Quakers. Now, this next part is highlighted for a reason. Ready? Quote, Unlike the Second Great Awakening, which began about 1800 and reached out to the unchurched, that's now this falls in the category of the people. What about the preaching of the gospel? Why aren't people being getting the gospel preached to them? Okay, listen, that was the first great awakening. But watch this. The second or I'm sorry, that was the second great awakening. The first great awakening. Read it. Look right here on your screen. If you're watching, if you're listening, pay attention to what I'm saying to you. The first great great awakening focused on people who were already church members. It changed their rituals, their piety, and their self-awareness. Oh, I don't know if you heard that or not. What I'm saying to you is the second great awakening impacted those already in the body of Christ. It's called a, and, and you've heard me talk about this, a refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Let me go to scripture. All right. I've, you've heard me talk about this, so we got to get into this again. Peter stands up. The, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, has taken place. Peter is exhorting the people there. And he says to them, verse 19 of Acts 3, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So again, as we've pointed out in many other broadcasts, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, and it's a direct result of of repentance from the people. Well, I, I seriously doubt anyone's repenting there. Uh, really, guys? Again, are you there? If you're not there, then it's best you probably not open your mouth and keep speaking on things that you have no understanding of or you're not there that you can confirm that. In fact, I'm going to show you some video clips in a minute that's going to prove otherwise. Okay? So what am I talking about? Refreshing can come to the body of Christ. Let me show you another example. Let me give you another scripture. Watch this. Let me go over to the book of Revelation. All right. Revelation chapter two. This is to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is this was a church that existed in John's day, but this is also uh, many scholars believe it's a it's a prophetic picture of what it'll be in the last days. This is uh, the same rebuke and the same commitment, uh, the same rebuke and the same affirmation that was given to the early church is the same one that exists today. There's no different. All right, ready. To the, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now look at verse four. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Now, again, who is John speaking to here? He's not speaking to the world, the unregenerated, the sinners. He's speaking to church folks in the church of Ephesus who has lost their first love. They become lukewarm. They've become cold. They've become complacent. Look at what he says. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. So again, John is expressing the need of repentance 
to the early church, not the sinner. Listen, we know the sinners have to repent. We know they have to put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, lest they die in their sins and go to hell. But in this case, and and what I believe in this Asbury outpouring, this revival that's happening, the revival is among God's people. It's a refreshing. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves in prayer and turn from their sins and from their wicked ways. Again, judgment begins in where come on, somebody preach to me in the house of God. So God, listen, we can't expect God to clean the world up. If he, if he's not going to start with the church first, because the last time I checked Christ, come on, gave us the, gave us the great commission to carry out on the earth. He called us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. So how can we preach the gospel to every living creature? If we are lukewarm, if we are complacent, if we've lost our love for our, our first love for Christ and we're going through the religious motion and oh friends, look at the timing of this revival. We're at an all time high for the unchurch, for agnostics and for atheists and for, for the rise of witchcraft and warlocks and sorcery. We darkness is engulfing the West and, and the young people are falling by the wayside. And here we are. A move of God impacting young people of our generation. And yet people are poo-pooing it. And rejecting it. Because it doesn't fit their denominational religious box. And, that, and, and, and so we got to go on. I'm going to move on here. Let me give you. I want to give you, this is from Kelly Levins. I believe that's how you say her name. I want to give her the credit for this. This is her testimony as she went there. Quote, there is a piano player, a guitar player, and a single drum. There's hard chairs. The interior, and she even said it. She said the interior is what we would consider to be ugly. The lights don't dim. No one is, no one's serving donuts. There's no coffee being served. Not a single smoke machine in the building. No fancy lights, no timers, no perfect productions, no leader, no teams, no hierarchy, no competition, no kids classes. Nobody greets you in the parking lot. There's literally no structure whatsoever. Apparently the only thing needed to attract people to God is God. Wow. Why have we made it so complicated? I don't know, Kelly. That's a good question. This is something I've been asking for years. And many of us who we call ourselves, we consider ourselves as revivalists or the watchmen. We've been saying this for years. And she went on to say, quote, it's time to get back to the pure and simple an altar and a sacrifice AKA Jesus, let's get, let's give him back to his house. Just worship him and see what happens. Praise him. He inhabits the praises of his people. Come on. Amen, Kelly. I 100% agree. And, um, I want to pull this up. Um, I got this on my phone because I had a list of this. The last report I got. This move, this, uh, this, this outpouring is now spreading outside of Asbury. It's gone into Jackson, Georgia High School. Praise God, it's in our state. Cedarville, Cedarville University in Ohio, Ohio Christian University, Lee University, Tennessee, uh, a university in Texas, Park Hill, Missouri, Indiana Westland University, The Gate, Charlotte, North Carolina, Kingsway in Birmingham, Alabama, Kingdom Life in Maine. It even reports in Israel, Uganda, the University of Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, KCU, KCU, Kentucky Christian and Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. So again, all these are uh, reporting uh, moves of God as well. So we, again, it's going outside of the four walls of Asbury and it's, it's spreading. The fire is spreading. Now we're going to address more. Here's another one. Quote, 
Well, this can't be a real move of God because I'm, this is, these are actually things I've seen in comments on, on our Facebook page. There's people there wearing hats and I, and the style of music they're playing cannot be of God. Really? Listen, people were criticizing young people in the crowd for wearing a hat, wearing yoga pants in the prayer chapel. So I want to ask you a question. Do you actually believe that a young person coming in and wearing a hat in a sanctuary or God forbid yoga pants or any other pants that you don't approve if they're too tight, they're too loose, they're too short, they're too blue, they're too dark, whatever. They're not Lee's, they're not Levi's, they're not guests, they're not whatever brand you like. And do you actually believe for a moment that heaven is going to be filled with just your single style of worship? It's for you folks. It's only going to be the Gaithers. It's only going to be Christian rock. It's only going to be Christian contemporary, only gospel. It's only going to be songs that were written and played by Hillsong or God forbid, if it's, you know, if it's Carrie Job or it's Chris Tomlin or it's Crowder or Kim Walker, Elevation or Mercy Me, Pat Barrett, Christy Knuckles, and the list goes on. Do you really think that Jesus is going to uh, come to you? And he's going to ask for your approval of what kind of music the angels that are gathered around heaven and the elders are going to and the saints of God are going to be singing night and day before God of of the God of heaven. This is unbelievable, unbelievable. What is amazing to me is religious folks who they'll sit around their coffee tables. They'll sit around at lunch. They'll be at church and they'll complain about their their kids and their grandchildren and the kids of our generation that are caught up in drugs and alcohol and it's tearing families apart and it's killing young people that are dying from, um, from, uh, fentanyl and meth and all these drugs and how they desperately need a touch from God. And then these same folks will turn right around and criticize a move of God that is impacting the young people across universities in the country who are literally spending hours upon hours and upon hours in the presence of God, worshiping, praying, and repenting and praising God. So let me get this straight. You want to condemn something you don't personally like or prove because it doesn't fit in your theological box. Instead of being thankful that your kids and your grandkids are together in a facility with all with thousands of other young people worshiping and praising God rather than being in a gutter somewhere or in a ditch overdosing on drugs and committing sexual immorality and the list, a list goes on. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But this is the madness that we're dealing with. Here's another question. Quote, where is the repentance, Brother Ricky? I just don't see any repentance. Again, are you seriously that arrogant to say such a thing? Do you have such highly sophisticated technological and sophisticated video and audio equipment that you're able to precisely zoom into the congregation from your couch while you're stuffing your face with potato chips and drinking your soft drink, condemning and judging all these people, thousands of people across multitudes of campuses, and you're able to home in and see and hear not a single soul repenting in the crowd or at the altar. That's what you're telling me. So let me give you a little video clip. This is from the Glenn Beck program. Uh, want to give you this, uh, I thought this would be great to play because it's literally from someone that's at ground zero of this move. So here we go. Ready? I'm going to give you some shocking news. There is a college in Kentucky that has a weekly chapel service. I know, right? I know that's weird enough, but it goes further than that. On February 8th, there was a morning service. And there was an altar call. Just come on down if you want to get prayed on. And there was just a couple dozen students there that they were gathering. It's been going on now since February 8th, 24 hours a day. And people are coming from all over the country. It's miraculous. Allison Perfader is with us now. She is with uh, 
the she's actually the student body president at Ashbury University. Hello, uh, uh, Allison. How are you? Ah, good morning. How are you? I'm I'm good. Thank you for having me on. I think this is. I mean, this uh, almost brings tears to my eyes. This is such a miraculous thing that's going on. Tell yeah. us about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like you said, it's miraculous. I mean, I don't I don't know if you've ever heard of Wilmore, Kentucky, but we have one street <laughs> and we call it downtown. <laughs> and so when the whole world is watching us, you have to wonder what is God doing here? Because there's nothing about here that people want to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so this started on February 8th. It wasn't planned, right? It just correct <laughs> just started. And then how how did other people I mean, that's a small town. How, how, how did it go on for even just the first 24 hours? What was yeah, happening? Yeah, um, it's like you said, uh, February 8th, we had our our regular chapel, and then uh, a couple students didn't leave, and then a couple students heard that a couple students didn't leave, and then um, President Brown came over, and I came over to see what was happening. And and, and I, I, I can just say that Holy Spirit was was so present there you can almost see it and we were just going wow what is going on and then our surrounding communities heard about it and obviously social media played a huge role in in spreading the word and we've had friends now from brazil and indonesia and i mean everybody everybody wants in on it (laughs) brazil and indonesia coming to be a part of this i gotta tell you i want to take my family um this is this is um this is something that I I really respect, um, the fact that you didn't push this out on social media. You, you are, you're not hyping this. You're kind of a reluctant group to make a big deal out of this because you say it's, a, it's really a sacred thing that just is happening organically and you don't want it to be a circus, right? Right. Yeah, and especially because I think something that Asbury and a lot of universities and honestly just my generation struggles with is is pride. And what we've seen here is just such a radical humility that students are standing up and and confessing things that have been done to them or that they've done. And, and they're opening their hearts up to not only the presence of God, but to each other. And that um, perhaps you missed that for all those who say, well, there's no repentance going on. There's no confession of sin. Did you hear this again? This is from someone who is there, ground zero. It is happening. Just because you're not there and it doesn't fit the mold that you expect or desire or want, you can't write it off. So let's go on. That is a very intimate thing. And so there are some mixed feelings about it, it becoming global. And it's obviously amazing and it's great, but but there is that that core of honesty that, that we're still holding on to. Well, I bet you that there were a lot of people at the Sermon on the Mount that thought, I, I don't, this shouldn't go global. In fact, I know it shouldn't go to the Gentiles. Um, and uh, I just, I just think this is remarkable. So there's no speakers or anything going on, right? It's just people right. gathering to pray. Yeah, it's um, there's, there's been a couple people just kind of facilitating it, you know, keeping everyone safe and also guiding the conversation, making sure that we're setting up healthy, healthy boundaries for what we're talking about um, with big groups of people. But no, beyond that, I mean, like it's unfathomable. Imagine students just bringing mattresses into an old wooden auditorium and spending the night there. It's crazy. And it's, it's truly, it's supernatural. Okay, so we're going to cut that video. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to show you a clip from Tucker Carlson uh, that Sean Foyt shared on his YouTube page. Uh, Now check this out. This was recent with Tucker Carlson. He talks about this as well. So check this out. So we keep hearing about this. There haven't been many news stories on it, but it's all over social media on TikTok, actually, of all places. And reports that people are flying in from Singapore and New Zealand to join whatever this is. And so we thought it'd be worth finding out, what is it? Allison Perfader is the student body president at Asbury University, and she joins us. And Allison, you're so nice to come on. Thank you. What, it, what is this, do you think? Right, what is this? That's what we can, I mean, that's the question, right? And um, a, a theme or a Bible verse that we've all been sharing with each other is Habakkuk 1. And the Lord says, 
look at the nations and watch for I'm doing something in your day that you wouldn't believe if you were told. And it's happening, and we can hardly believe it. Well, it seems remarkable. I mean, so many stories, you see them, and you think, that's very different. I'm not quite sure what it means, but it's worth learning more. So my understanding is this began in a completely conventional service, and a boy got up and started talking about his own flaws, and then it just, something changed in the atmosphere, and it never ended. Is that fair? So again, notice there, he stood up, and he was confessing his sins, his faults, his failures, his shortcomings. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So again, a spark, a spark has ignited this. So I want to, uh, going to pull back here and I want to talk a little bit more about, now I want to, I think I've got, uh, we've got a little bit more here. I want to cover, there's one more question, then I want to get into the prophetic aspect of this. So let's see, let me check my time, guys. I don't want to go too long. I've got, I've went 35 minutes into this, so I'm going to try to cover this in the next 15 minutes. Here's one. Here's another one we get. Quote, it's all hype and emotionalism. People are just jumping around and shouting and singing. And Jesus never did such nonsense. Oh, my gosh. You're right. The Bible never stated that Jesus did any of that. But the Bible does testify of everyone Jesus touching with his power and presence, showing great signs of emotionalism and joy. For example, a woman with the issue of blood, it was bound for 12 years. I'm pretty sure that when she was set free, she didn't sit around sitting on her hands and not praising God. Or how about the blind men that were healed or the man that was led down a roof that was tore off of a building and was healed? and took up his mat and, and and left you think he was quiet you think he was silent about it or how about Jairus's daughter being healed you think he was quiet about it or how about the boy that was in a coffin being led through a funeral procession and Jesus touched the coffin and he was raised from the dead I'm sure his family was just so quiet and they didn't raise their hands they didn't praise God they didn't they didn't shout they didn't shed a tear or how about when Lazarus was raised from the dead after four days of stinking dead and his family thought he was done or how about the demon possessed boy that was set free you think his family was quiet or then what about the book of acts when peter and john went to the hour of prayer and there was a man that laid there daily uh, and sat there begging because no one had the power to set him free and peter and john peter stood up and said silver and gold have i none but what i do give you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk and your bible says that when he was healed that he stood up he jumped and shouted and prayed Praise God. Now, some of you folks would have told that man that he was full of emotionalism and he was getting in the flesh and he should just sit down. Or how about the many the, the many that were crippled that were healed by simply by Peter's shadow that walked by them? Or how about the jailer and his family that were converted and his whole house was saved? How about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 and his whole family were converted to the Lord? Here's what I'm trying to tell you, folks. It's amazing to me that these are the same, the same folks that want to sit there and put their glasses down at the bottom of their nose and look down at all these young people praising and shouting and giving glory to God. And, and they want to say it's all emotionalism. It's hype. It's not of God. These are the same folks that will be at the football stands. They'll be at an auditorium and they'll be on their feet. They'll be screaming. They'll be shouting for their favorite sports team. But God forbid that we get excited and we express and gratitude, any gratitude or any emotion over being set free from a devil's hell, healed of diseases, delivered from drugs, alcohol, or any other bondages. Friend, it's time for you to sit down and be quiet. If you don't want to be a part of a move of God, you don't want to be in it, you want to label it this or label that, just, just shut your mouth, sit down, and get out of the way so everybody else can get in on the move of God. I've got some children of my own. I'd love to experience experience a move of God like this. I would like to be a part of a move of God like some of you want to be a part of move. It's time for us to tell these Pharisees and these Sadducees to get out of the way. 
so that we can get, listen, it is absolutely amazing. And I want to give you, I want to take you to a friend of mine's Facebook page. Um, and I'm going to show you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You've got to see this. So this is a friend of mine's uh, Facebook page. This is, uh, William Tyrone Jackson, the second, uh, but he did, he did a clip about this. This was from an individual who was criticizing the revival. Listen what he has to say here. And then we'll go on. Ready? Check it out. I, I was almost positive uh, what I was going to find was not going to be good. And sure enough, it wasn't. Um, this is a, 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 uh, a non-Baptist university. Oh, no. God forbid it. It's, it's not a Baptist university. Okay, let's go on. Um, Asbury University has holiness ties. Oh, um, no. Uh, and we know that, you know, that's a bad thing to, to be, to practice holiness. You know, even though the scripture says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. You know, that's, that's absolutely terrible. Let's go on and see what else he says here. They are not King James only. Oh, <gasps> heaven forbid. Are you telling me that people ha- had the audacity to bring in a different translation of the Bible into that place? That they they do not preach from the King James, no, I'm sorry, the 1611 King James only Bible. Well, okay, so let's move on. Their music is CCM, and I was looking at one of the... Uh- uh, in other words, their music doesn't fit his denomination and by the way his denomination is independent baptist they're against the a lot most of them a lot of them are sensationists i'd say predominantly all of them they don't believe in miracles they don't believe in signs wonders and miracles they don't believe in healing they don't believe in casting out devils they don't believe any of that stuff they don't believe any of the things that god told us that we would do until he returns they don't believe they they believe it all died out in the fourth century so if there is any, any remote manifestation of anything supernatural, guess what they're going to say? Ready? Here we go. One of the um, services, and they had a woman uh, a woman up there preaching during one of the chapels. <gasps> oh, no. A woman. A wo- oh, that's right. Joel chapter 2. Perhaps he forgot about this. And it shall come to pass afterward. That I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. According to this dude, if your daughter gets filled, if she gets saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and starts and God starts using her to prophesy, he's going to tell her to shut up and sit down. And she's not she's out of line and she's working through the devil again. That's according to him and according to that that all those who attest to that denomination, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy there. He says, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. He says on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. Now I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm going to go back to that in a second and back to this. Let me go back to the video because I want to show you something prophetically that I think you're going to like. Let's go on here. Guys, let, let me make something clear. Okay. There may be an emotional stir. There may be some people that are genuinely getting some help from the <laughs> Lord. Okay. There may be some people that are, that are uh, genuinely um, trying to seek God. No doubt about it. But we're calling this revival. We're calling this a move of God. We're saying that this is God working and moving and pouring out his spirit and all this kind of stuff. Okay. People can be genuine and be genuinely wrong. They're not King James only. God does not bless outside of his work. Okay, so we're going to stop right there. Um, really? Oh, my gosh. Where do we even start? First of all, and and if, if you go back and watch William's video, he's going to say pretty much the predominant same thing I am. First of all, do you realize Jesus was not walking around Jerusalem, Judea, and, 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 uh, uh, in the Galilees and through pl- portions of Damascus, Samaria, all these places. He was not walking around in his arms like this, carrying a 1611 
King James only, because you got to put that only on there. If it's 1611 KJV, it's not even accredited or legit. It's got to be KJVO, King James. Jesus, according to this guy, he was walking around with a 1611 King James Bible only. Uh, this is, uh, I, I, it's, it's laughable at this point. No, the original language of the Bible in the Old Testament was written in predominantly Hebrew and portions of Aramaic. And in the New Testament, it was written in Greek and it was transliterated into the English language through King James, who, by the way, was a wicked man. Come on, man. We have got to get past this ignorance in the body of Christ. So because it doesn't fit this man's mold and his little religious traditional box of this denomination, then it's not of God. You got to, you, you write it off. I saw another individual of that same denomination went to his Facebook ministry page and called this. He actually called this revival a move of Satan. Now friends, that my friend is borderline blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They said this to Jesus when Jesus was casting out devils and doing miracles. They said he was working through Beelzebub, the prince of demons, and said Satan was working through him to perform miracles. And Jesus said he went into a whole discourse on every sin can be forgiven of men, but those who blaspheme the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven of them. All right, so we got to move on because I can't even, I cannot continue to entertain this nonsense. It makes my blood boil. It's ridiculous. And we're just booting these people off our page. We see this nonsense. You're done. We're done with you. You can move on. You can blaspheme the Holy Ghost somewhere else. Listen, don't worry about it, honey, because you ain't going to get no any part of the revival. God will see to it that you don't get any of it because of your unbelief. And that's in the Bible, by the way. Jesus said the same thing to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law. He called them uh, tombs filled with dead man's bones. He called them vipers. He told his disciples to stay away from the leaven of the Pharisees. They were the ones that Jesus had a problem with. Not the sinners, not the agnostics, not the atheists, not the not those even in witchcraft or sorcery or new age. Jesus never had a problem with those. It was the religious people of his day. That's who he had a problem with. And even and it goes all the way into the New Testament book of Acts. All right. So here's what I want to show you. This is really cool. Ready? When we go over here to the book of Psalms, chapter 102, verses 16 to 18, I'm going to try to break this down. The Bible says, for the Lord shall build up. This is a prophetic word given here. And the Lord says, quote, for the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and he shall not despise their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Now, reading this from a surface level of your 1611 King James, it ain't going to do much for you. But if you go back to the original Hebrew language, there is some words here that really brings this passage out. For example, the word build up here means to restore to its original state. And Zion is a term in the Hebrew back then to Jerusalem. So here's what it says, for the Lord shall restore Jerusalem. And then he shall appear in his glory. That's referring to the second coming. Lord, watch this. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. Remember, if my people that are called by my name shall pray, shall humble themselves in prayer and turn from themselves. He hears our prayers. But look at this. This will be written for the generation to come. That phrase, the generation to come in Hebrew is akaron. And it literally means the last of the last, the end of the end or the last generation. Look, that a people yet to be created. So this could not happen or could not be fulfilled in the writer, uh, which I believe was David who wrote this, could have not been fulfilled in his day because watch this, Jerusalem had not been restored yet. Number two, there was a generation that would be yet to be created. 
They were not existing in David's day. They had to be created and they would come during it. So, oh, come on, somebody. So in other words, what the what he is saying here by the prophetic utterance of the word is there will come a generation that will be live in the that will be alive upon the earth. They will be created to praise the Lord. They will be a praising generation and they will reveal themselves or they will be made manifest in the earth during the same time frame as you see Jerusalem being built up. Let me go back to Acts chapter three. Good grief. This is so, this is so powerful guys. Repent therefore and be converted. This is Peter speaking. This is after the outpouring, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 20 and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. That's the second coming whom heaven must receive. The word receive here in the Greek is to restrain or withhold. Why? Watch. He, he tells you until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. So Peter is telling them right there that heaven is withholding Jesus from returning until we see the fulfillment of all things prophesied by the prophets since the world began. And guys, can I tell you what that's in relation to? That is in relation to the rebuilding restoration of the nation of Israel, because Israel has always been the main prophetic timepiece. 1948, they were reborn as a nation. 1967, the capital of Jerusalem was reinstated to Israel. Then you've gotten. You've got all these prophecies from Isaiah, from Jeremiah, from Hosea, all these prophecies regarding the nation of Israel that have all been fulfilled. The only thing that we're waiting on, guys, is the rebuilding of the third temple. Everything else has been fulfilled. And isn't it ironic that now we're seeing a generation, this same generation that Joel said, look at what he says here in Joel chapter two, verses 28 through 32 i'm almost done and it shall come to pass afterward somebody say afterward and it shall come to pass afterward that i'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams young men shall see visions and also on my men servants and my maid servants i'll pour out my spirit in those days and I and I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke, sun shall be turned in darkness and the moon into blood before the coming and the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, you go to the book of Acts chapter two. Peter stands up with the eleven, raised his voice and he speaks to them and he says, and it, he, this is what he says. Uh, verse 15, for these are not drunk as you suppose. What is he talking about? He's talking about because there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and there was a manifestation and these people were not, they didn't understand this. It was alien to them. They didn't recognize it. So therefore they wrote it off as these people were drunk. But he says they are not drunk as you suppose for it is only the third hour of the day. And listen to what he says. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joe. Now I want you to look at these words here and it shall come to pass in the last days. Now notice Peter says it should come to pass in the last days. And he's quoting Joel who said, and it should come to pass afterward. So wh- why did Joel say afterward? And Peter says in, uh, in Acts chapter two, he says in the last days, I believe Joel by, uh, by utterance of the Lord, by the spirit of God, God showed Joel that something would have to happen. And afterward, after that, once something happened, after that, God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters would prophesy. Dreams would be released in the, in the earth and visions would be released upon the earth in sons, daughters, men and women. What is the afterward? The afterward is the acts to outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost because Peter stands up and says, this is 
present tense, what was spoken by the prophet Joel that it shall come to pass in the last days. So Peter was convinced. Oh, some of y'all is going to get this. Some of y'all won't that we have now entered in his time. We have entered the last days. And they say, well, we've been in the last days for thousands of years. Well, yes, you're right. But Peter also said in the word of God that a day unto the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is unto a day. So in the time frame of heaven, when the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, which was promised by Yeshua, by Jesus, when that took place, it initiated the gears in motion to go forward, to go and move towards the last days. And now God is pouring out from, from Acts 2, upper room, Pentecost. He has been pouring out his spirit upon all flesh, sons and daughters. This is why all through history, we see moves of God in the earth, not just America, but throughout the earth. This is why we've had a first and second great awakening. And friends, listen. We could very well, I don't know what's going to happen with this move. I don't know what's going to happen with this outpouring, but it, to me, it does not look like it's showing any signs of letting up. This thing could spark and, and ignite and combust and it could grow and it could literally become the third great awakening in the earth. And you say, well, brother Ricky, I thought you said, that as we get closer to the end times, there's no indication that there's going to be this worldwide global revival. Yes, I have said that. All through the scriptures, it says there'll be a falling away. There'll be perilous times. There'll be departing from the faith, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Yes, that's absolutely true. But listen, guys, I will humble myself and I will humbly tell you that I could be wrong. God could listen, God is God and he can do whatever he wants. I'm not going to be so proudful and arrogant to sit here and tell you that that I've got everything figured out and that there's no way that God could pour out his spirit upon the entire earth before his return. That would be absolutely stupid. Now, I've always assumed that we would not see this. But listen, if God wants to do this, I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to oppose it. I want everything about it. I want to be in it. I want to be a part of it. I want to be on the front lines of it. So listen, instead of criticizing this, instead of a uh, let's let's just see what God is doing in the earth. And instead of trying to, instead of trying to take our wet blankets and try to put out the fire, what if we got in the fire and it transformed us for his glory in Jesus name? So here's what we're going to do. I have went 57 minutes. I've got, we've got to stop right here and we got to pray. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and then we're going to end this broadcast. So before we do that, download our free app. It's available on Apple and it's available on Android. Get into your hands. Hit yes to push notifications. You're going to be notified of every headline, every podcast when it's readily available. If this ministry is a blessing to you and encourage you, exhort you, uh, uh, and, and uh, teaches you things and, and you're informed on a week to week basis and you'd like to support this ministry, partner with this ministry, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, we want you to give, give you that opportunity. You could do that two different ways. You can give electronically through the app. Or uh, the main website, intimeheadlines.org, intimeheadlines.com. Or you can give right there, making it out to Intime Headlines, P.O. Box 1391. And that's Monroe, Georgia, 30655. So listen, uh, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you are well able to pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Lord, we thank you that sons and daughters are being touched by, Lord, by the fire of God and by what we look, what it looks to be as revival fire they are they are being they are being touched by this outpouring they're being transformed they're being changed they're being wrecked by the holy spirit of god i pray father that sons and daughters from around the world would come if they're able and be a part and i pray that those are not able to travel to these locations that lord right there right in their living room right in their home right in their vehicle right in their office right in their bedroom right where they're at I pray that this same God 
would begin to pour out his spirit upon their families. May your family be impacted. May your sons and daughters be impacted. May your churches experience the fire of the Holy Ghost. Lord, if this really is the embers of the third great awakening, then Father, we say, let it be so. May it sweep this nation and may lives be transformed and may uh, may our nation receive the healing in which you promised according to second chronicles 7 14 you said that it was pre- it was uh it was based on the response of your people and what they did if they repented they humbled themselves they turned from their sins and their wicked ways you said then you would heal our land i pray indeed that this would be the healing that we have contested for that we've interceded for that we have fasted for and that we have prayed for god i say let it do let it be so one more time for the glory of god in jesus name come on all people said amen and amen listen god bless you thank you for being a part of the broadcast we're going to sign off for this friday the 17th we will be off this weekend but we'll be right back here on the 20th of february in the studio for another great week of podcast so god bless you until then may the lord bless you keep you and may his countenance shine upon you we'll see you then thank you for listening to the end time headlines podcast we pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message for more information about how you can help partner with our ministry please visit endtimeheadlines.org.